0: Good morning and welcome. I was just leaned over to Adam and told him, I don't think we've been this sick in at least three years. There is sparse attendance this morning. All y'all are healthy, I'm I'm thankful for that. But uh, uh, we've got, uh, every every time I speak to somebody, somebody is in the doctor's office or somebody's getting seen. So we're glad that you're here and pray that you can stay healthy through the holidays. It is a gross Sunday and I am so grateful that you swam or boated or however it was you arrived this morning, we're just glad that you're here. We've come together to worship the Lord together. Uh, if you have your Bibles, are going to be in the book of Ruth chapter 3. And while you are turning there, just a couple of announcements um, that I want to mention. There is our, our annual Christmas cantata is tonight. Uh, lots of folks from uh, children all the way up to senior adults and everybody in between have been working hard. Uh, a lot of different things that will go into that tonight. So I hope that you'll plan to be here at 6 o'clock. And also next Sunday is Christmas Eve. And as a result, things are going to be a little bit different. Traditionally, we've done a separate Christmas Eve service, but next week, because Christmas, Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, we're not doing a separate service. We're going to incorporate all that into our two regular morning services. So, parents, you're the ones that need to hear this. You're going to see the emails that are going to come out. We don't have any child care next Sunday morning. Come, All right. We know that your kids are gonna make a racket. We're perfectly fine with that. We're we're hoping they will. The service is gonna be very child and family friendly. So, um, and at the end of the service, like we generally do with our traditional Christmas Eve service, I'll have all the kids come up. We'll have them on the stage. We'll read the Christmas story together and have a good time. So please, please come. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach a 30-minute sermon next week and and make your kids suffer through that. And we are going to handle Ruth 3 this morning, which is the part with all the weird things about Ruth laying down at Boaz's feet in the middle of the night. So you won't have to answer those questions for your third grader next week, okay? So Merry Christmas. You're welcome. Uh, But uh, please, please come. It's going to be a wonderful Sunday. I'm so excited about all the things that the Lord will do through that next week. All right, Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3 is an odd passage of scripture and we're going to wrestle with this question what do we do when we get an unexpected answer to our prayers in Ruth three we see something that looks a little bit like you ever call somebody and the wrong person answers you know and you, you look down and you go well I was trying to reach I was trying to reach John well this is not John this is Sally and you say, no this is not who I was calling well, did I call, you know, 555 Well, yes, you did. Well, where's John? Well, John's not here. I'm Sally, and I'm taking his messages. To some degree, Ruth 3 is this passage of Scripture where they dialed up one phone number, and they got a different answer. And it's a lot like all of us have experienced at some point in our life where we prayed to the Lord And he answered us, but we didn't get the answer that we anticipated. And so this morning, we're going to wrestle through that just a little bit together. So if you have your Bibles, Ruth chapter 3, we're going to read just verses 1 through 5. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. Hear now, for this is the word of the Lord. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? see is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking but when he lies down observe the place where he lies then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do and she replied all that you say i will do let's pray together father god i pray that you would give us insight and understanding Help us, Father God, to obey you when the answers to our prayers are not what we expect. Help us to trust you and to believe. May we, Lord God, have the faith of Ruth and the obedience of Ruth. Move in our lives as we consider this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. I don't know if you've ever prayed and got a different answer. I I know I have. There have been times in my life when I I prayed and God sent me an answer, but it wasn't the answer I wanted. As a matter of fact, I can even reflect upon a story about that just this week. I was sitting with, um, uh, drinking a cup of coffee in a coffee shop. Guy leans over and says, hey, would you mind telling me your story about how it is that you knew that God called you to ministry? And I said, well, I can tell that story, and the answer to that story is long and short, but the reality of it is that God called me to ministry, and I heard him say, hey, do this, and it was not what I wanted. As a matter of fact, I stomped my foot and said, God, that's not what I'm here for, Lord. That's not what I want to do. That's not the answer that I wanted to hear from you, Lord. Some of you know what that's like. You pray and you pray and God answers a prayer, but you don't get the answered prayer that you anticipated. In our own family, I remember the Lord giving us an answer that we didn't expect. We adopted a couple of kids once upon a time. They're wonderful and great. And I got a call from Angela, though, one day, and it said, hey, there are these two children. And they're interested in us adopting them. I said, hold on now. We signed up for one child, not two. And she said, I thought we signed up to show the love of Christ to children in need. I said, I am the preacher here. I don't need to hear this from you. Turns out it didn't matter. And then I got two uh, two at one time. But but here's the funny thing is that I'd prayed for that. I'd prayed for that in a different kind of way. Angela's pregnant twice, and in both of those times, I prayed that God would give us twins. I desired that. Um, thankfully, Lord didn't answer that prayer. I can't imagine having two Albreys. But, um, but what did happen, I'm just kidding, baby. If, if Wyatt was here I have said Wyatt but you know he's not here um, so but here's here's the way the Lord did answer that prayer in a way I couldn't have anticipated he sent me two children at one time in spite of the fact I didn't get them the way I wanted them and so God has this wonderful plan to give us answers to our prayers but sometimes he doesn't answer them in the ways that we expected in this story of Ruth we get God answering the prayers and the pleadings of Naomi and Ruth, but he doesn't answer them in the way that they would have anticipated. Now, we know from these passages of Scripture, we know from this book that Naomi and Ruth went back to Bethlehem hoping that the Lord would do something on their behalf. Now, because Naomi was a Jewish woman and she knew the Old Testament law, Naomi understood, for instance, that by going back to Bethlehem, there would be a redeemer waiting for them, all right? So let me just give you some understanding about Old Testament law for Jewish people. If, uh, ladies, you need to listen to this. This is terrifying for most of you. If your husband died in ancient Israel, then what would happen is his brother, your brother-in-law would have the responsibility of marrying you and of continuing the family line in in your former husband's honor. That's right, you would have to marry your brother-in-law. That's exactly what's expected. And if for some reason the brother-in-law could not or would not do that, then whoever was next in line, closest uh, relationally, would have the responsibility of marrying you. So Ruth and Naomi, they go back to Bethlehem, destitute, poor, broken, A terrible situation, but they do know that in going there that God has created in His law a plan for them to be redeemed, for them to be taken care of. Now, what they could not have expected, what they did not expect at least, is that God's plan would run through Boaz. And the reason that we know that that was not a part of their expectation is because in the situation we have, we have have Ruth not knowing who Boaz was. We have Naomi not expecting this situation. A matter of fact, what happens is Ruth comes back from being in the field as we saw last week, and she says, I met this guy Boaz. And Naomi says, oh, he is one of our close relatives. You need, you need to hang out with this guy. As a matter of fact, though, what is even wilder is that it's not exactly just hang out with this guy. So let's look through some of this passage of Scripture this morning and see exactly not only what happened in Ruth's life, but what should you do when God answers your prayers unexpectedly. The first thing I want to encourage you to do is to seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. Now, uh, understand that there are going to be times when the Lord is going to lead you to do something that runs kind of contrary to popular opinion or, or contrary to what you would expect sometimes god's plans just aren't our plans and as a result we're going to need some help discerning god's will in our lives listen to me you don't have the market cornered on god's will you don't have the market cornered on god's will you need the input the advice the counsel of other godly people now when i said godly people notice i said godly people godly people you you don't You don't just need Facebook advice. You don't just need the the lunch table gossip advice. You need the counsel of godly people. Now, we're going to see this in a larger context, but there's certainly something to be said about relationships right here, isn't there? Uh, Notice that Ruth comes to Naomi, her mother-in-law, and says, I've met a guy. I've met a guy. And in that situation, she is interested in the input of her mother-in-law. If you're here today and you're a single person and you've got relationship interests somewhere, let me encourage you to seek godly advice. If you've got good godly parents, be willing to go home and speak with those parents and get some advice. It, relationally, relationally, I like the idea. Uh, my children created this, this system of organizing and governing themselves years ago. And it's very simple, it's called three agree, and uh, they created this, if we had tried to, y'all know this as parents, if we had tried to enforce this, it would have failed, but they created, it's very simple, And and the way the rule works is this. If three of them agree about anything, there's four of them, if three of them agree about anything, whatever the thing is they agree about, the fourth one is compelled to do the thing that the other three agree about. Um, and so we don't, as parents, we didn't create the rule, but we do enforce the rule. We think it's an excellent rule. And so it can be something as simple as if, if all three of them decide they want to play like an eight-day game of Monopoly, the fourth one has to agree. That's just the way it works. There's, there's no, no, no wiggle room. If, the, if three of them determine, um, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. There is always veto opportunity that comes from dad. So if it's, Four of them even that say the whole family is playing an eight-day game of Monopoly. There's an immediate veto that comes in. Dad is not playing eight days worth of Monopoly. Um, but uh, if, if three of them agree about a movie, the fourth— well, that, that's just what it is. If, if three of them say we're all going to go outside and play baseball in the rain, stinks, but the fourth one has to say yes, and Angela and I get to sit on the porch and watch. It's all the great things that happen. I... I, I'm advocating for our teenagers and, and really anybody to in, incorporate something like a three agree rule when it comes to relationships. You know, if you can't convince most of the people around you this is a good idea, then it's probably not a good idea. And if three people don't agree, then you got to walk away. That's that's what I'm advocating for. I would encourage y'all to look at something like that in your own life. You're a single person relationally. If the people that know you best and love you the most can't be on board then it's probably not a great idea. So Ruth goes home and she says, there's this guy, I've met a guy. And Naomi does what is unbelievable in this particular situation. She seeks out godly counsel, but Naomi orchestrates a plan that really could only be matched by like a high school girl's effort to pull something off, right? There is an absolute espionage opportunity that comes about This is how crazy this plan is, okay? Understand, when God says to Ruth, or when when God puts this this opportunity in Ruth's Ruth's path, she goes to Naomi, and, and Naomi immediately recognizes God's hand at work. How would Naomi recognize God's hand at work? She sees God's providence at play here. She sees God's providence because over and over and over again, the Lord has just brought Boaz into Ruth's path. Naomi recognizes, wait a minute, this is someone who could fulfill the responsibility as a redeemer. And as a result, Naomi says, Ruth, we need to put you in a situation where you might have an opportunity to be redeemed by this man. Listen, you need Naomi's in your life who will help you to identify God's will. I get it. A lot of you don't don't like to talk about what it is that God's doing in your life. And sometimes it can be scary. If I believe that God's called me to something, it it can be terrifying for me to go and open up. I've had opportunities in recent months, a few times, where somebody's come to me and they've said, hey, I I feel like I'm moving in this direction, and, and, and can you help me? But unfortunately, a lot of times I've had folks that said, I've been wrestling with this for months. And I say, why did you wait so long? Why I was afraid to come talk to you. Or I was this, listen to me. Don't allow fear to keep you from being obedient to God's plans. God has created you for community. Don't allow your fear to keep you from being engaged in pursuing God's will in community. Number one. Number two, be honest. Some of you are hiding behind fear when the reality is you're just prideful. Right? It's not that you're afraid to go talk to somebody about what God's doing in your life or what God may be doing. You're just too prideful to go talk to somebody about it. You're too prideful to believe that God might use somebody else to give you wisdom. And Well, I'm, I'm working this out on my own, just me and Jesus. Show me where in the Bible it says you and Jesus are all on your own. You're, you're supposed to be a part of a community. Right? And if you're intentionally cutting everybody out of that process, maybe it's not because you're really seeking to be obedient to what God's doing in your life. Maybe it just has to do with the fact that you're just being prideful about everything else. You're not humble enough to look at somebody else and ask for help. We need that in our lives. We need other people. Seek godly counsel. But not only do you need to seek godly counsel because you don't have the market corner on God's will, you need to seek godly counsel because because precisely because God will not lead you contrary to his word I don't need anybody else I've got God's word oh here's the news flash. other people have insight and understanding of God's word that you don't have and that I don't have right so if I'm confident that God won't lead me contrary to his word then By trusting others and seeking godly counsel, here's what's an amazing thing that can happen. I go and I say, hey, I I feel like God's leading me to do this. And somebody looks at me and says, well, you know, Craig, I don't think that's what God's leading you to do because like, I've been reading in the Psalms, and right here in Psalm 17, it says just the opposite of what you said. So, Craig, I, I believe that what it is that you're desiring doesn't line up with God's word. And if it's not in accordance with God's word, it can't be God's will. And you go, oh, wow, I had no idea. I didn't realize that was in there. I'd never studied that. I'd, I've never seen that. And so God can use the community of believers to show you things in his word that would keep you from error. But what if you go and you say, hey, I, I feel like I'm being led in this direction, but it just really seems kind of crazy. And, and I feel like God's God's leading me to do something, but I, I've never even heard of anybody else doing this. So will you just pray for me? It's possible that your brother or sister in Christ might go, you know, it's crazy that you would say that because I've been reading in the book of, of ezekiel and something very similar to that happened in ezekiel so god did something kind of like this maybe maybe this is a part of his will for your life and you go wait a minute you've got you've got the word of god that says that this has happened before and as a result i i'm not as crazy as i might have thought i was so but what why did not god allows others to have access when i say access let me clear clarify we believe in the priesthood of all believers nobody has special access that you don't have but god allows others to have opportunities perhaps or to have experienced things in god's word that you or i just haven't seen yet and as a result by seeking godly counsel we get lots of wisdom we get lots of of of, of help so seek godly counsel when you get an answer that you don't expect but but second trust God's plan now let's get into all the nitty-gritty of exactly what's going on with Ruth and Naomi it's a little bit nuts okay this is the about the equivalent of you know some girl coming to her lunch table friends in high school and saying I met a guy and she's like well let me put together the plan Right. So we're going to we're going to launch a full scale spying system to figure out exactly what's going on in this guy's life. And then we're going to work together to orchestrate. You're going to show up at the same time as him at this particular place and we're going to try and make it happen. I mean, that's that's how wild. I mean, you think about it. Naomi says, I want you to spy on him. I want you to figure out exactly where he's going to go. Right. And once he gets gets settled and he starts eating, then you watch him and he's gonna get full, he's gonna get happy, he's gonna have a good time with his friends and then he's gonna go find a corner and he's gonna go to sleep. And when you find exactly where he's sleeping, I want you to sneak up, right? And I want you to uncover his feet and I want you to crawl in beside his feet and just cuddle with him. Some of y'all are like, wait a minute, foot massage, I am already out. This is exactly what she says do. Y'all, let me tell you, If one of my children comes to me and says, "Uh, Dad, I've I've got an interest in this person, and somebody said I ought to go find them in the middle of the night and climb in bed with them and lay beside their feet. Y'all, here's what I know. I know that was not at all in the plan for them. You understand? Just real quick, boom, everything just finished. I knew. Dad, do you think it's God's will for me to sneak up uh, behind them in the night? No, it is not. It is not. And yet, that was exactly what God had Ruth do. It's crazy, right? It seems nuts. Why? Why should should we trust God's plan when it seems so wild? Y'all, we should trust because God knows more than, than you do. He knows more than you do. Even when his plan does not make perfect sense, he knows more than you do. Listen. In this particular situation, here's what God knew. Ruth and Naomi knew that they needed to keep from starving to death. God knew that he was going to use Ruth, this foreign woman, to establish the line of his King David and ultimately, ultimately to lead to the birth of the Savior of the world. That's what God was going to do through Ruth. God knew that. Right? God knew exactly what he was going to do. We only get to see this little sliver, but God sees the entire plan. And it's all laid out before him. Ruth had only to trust. But I want you to consider how much Ruth had to trust. Ruth had to trust, first of all, in the wisdom of her mother-in-law. She had to trust in the providence of God. She had to trust in the goodness of Boaz. I mean, do you recognize? Like, we can sometimes read the scripture and go, well, that must just be the way it was done back then. Y'all, this is not the way it was done back then, okay? It's not like all these women were running out in the middle of the night and climbing into bed with all these random men, and that's exactly the way they figured out a marriage. No, that's not it. As a matter of fact, this was absolutely scandalous. Ruth was exposing herself as fragile and needy. And she was trusting, number one, that Boaz would not expose her and humiliate her. She was trusting that Boaz wouldn't abuse her. She was trusting that as a result of this encounter with Boaz, that she wouldn't become an outcast. Now, what's incredible is the way that God worked this out. Boaz was the redeemer that she needed. Not only did Boaz not expose her, Boaz worked diligently to make sure nobody else did. When he recognized what was going on, he says, Well now, we're gonna make sure you get out of here before the sun comes up, so you're not doing the walk of shame for everybody to see what's happening. We, we, and then he looks at his men, he said, She was never here. Is everybody clear? And y'all make sure that she goes home with something to eat. This is the kind of man, but but Ruth put herself out there trusting, trusting. That this would be the case y'all when God gives us unexpected answers to our prayers we've got to seek godly counsel y'all we got to be willing to trust God's plan even when it absolutely doesn't make sense Lord it doesn't make sense for you to call me to ministry God, it, it doesn't make sense for you to ask me to move across the world. God, God it, I, I, it doesn't make sense for me to do this or that. Has it ever occurred to you it might not make sense to you, but God has a bigger plan? Has it ever occurred to you that God knows more? I know what it's like to stomp my foot and say, God, I don't want to do that. God, that's not my plan. God, that's not the way I wanted to go. But here's the problem. I see like this much, this much. And God sees everything. And he knows everything. And his ways are right even when they don't make sense to me. Do you know that God's ways will always be right even if they never make sense to me? Trust God's plan. But not only do we need to trust see there's this step that moves from trust into action right we can talk about trusting all the time talks cheap I can say that I trust the Lord but I don't actually show my trust for the Lord until I take that step that last step of obedience we've got to be willing to obey you have to be willing to obey when God makes his plan clear when God answers your prayers I'm going to say something that comes across a little bit theologically inappropriate so don't cut me off quickly but the fact of the matter is sometimes the time for prayer is over and the time for action is upon us now that doesn't mean we shouldn't continue to move forward in prayer but when God's given an answer to the prayer And when God sent you godly counsel to show you what the answer to the prayer is, and when you've been affirmed through through godly wisdom and through the counsel of God's word that you rightly understand what it is that God would have you to do, the time for prayer has sort of ended and the time for action is upon you. It's time to obey. Now, I don't know, some of you might have the same struggle that I have with sort of uh, paralysis, uh, analysis paralysis. Occasionally, I'll ever go shopping sometimes And you're like me, you wish that when you got to the store, they didn't have lots of options. Like you roll up in there and it would make you happy if they had one thing of the thing that you want. So you go for an axe and you roll up in there and it's like, ah, they have one axe. And it has a wooden handle and it has a steel head and it's red and silver and everything is just perfect. And you grab it and you leave and you're so thankful for the purchase. But instead, you get to the store and you say, I need an axe. And when you get to the axe section, there's like eight of them. And you stand there and you go, oh no, which one do I need? None of y'all this doesn't happen to y'all. It does to me. Some of y'all just buy them all. Um, but uh, um, I'm looking at you, Ricky. Uh, but uh, you know, so which one do I need? And so then, then Craig. I I I mean, this is awful. I wish it wasn't true. I'm sitting there. I'm looking. I'm like, all right. Well, let's let's weigh our options. That's a felling axe. Well, this one's a splitting axe. Well, that one that one's hard and steel. That one's that one's American made. That one's you know. Do I need do I need a, a fiberglass handle? Do I want a wooden handle? what, what am I about? There's a few of y'all that are action people and you're like, man, that's nuts. I've never had that problem. I am so jealous of y'all right now. But for me, I get there and then I struggle. Y'all, when the Lord has answered our prayers and he's given us the direction, the time for struggling is past and the time for action is upon us. Look, when God sends you an answer, stop looking for a better offer. When God sends you an answer, stop looking for a better offer. Ruth did not go, all right, well, there's this Boaz guy. Well, let me play the field and see what else I can find. She didn't call up Boaz and go, all right, here's the deal. You're willing to do this for me. There's this other guy that's willing to do that. Let's compare contracts. No, no, when the Lord showed his direction, she moved forward in faith and trust and confidence. Let me to tell you how dumb I am sometimes. Not only do I have a hard time buying the axe, I buy the axe, and I spend the next four days looking at online reviews to make sure I bought the right axe. Isn't that stupid? <laughs> Some of y'all, are, no, that's exactly what I do. I keep the receipt just in case. Some of y'all are holding on to the receipt from your prayers. God's already told you where to go and what to do, but you're looking around to see if there's a better offer. Well, Lord, I heard what you said, but God, there might be something else out there. The only other thing that's out there is obedience. That's the other thing. And y'all, when you refuse to obey, that's called disobedience. Do you understand? Some of you, in your efforts to seek out that better opportunity, you've lied to yourself. You're saying, I'm just still trying to figure out what it is that the Lord have me to do. No, you're not. No, you're not. You already know what God would have you to do. You're trying to figure out if there's another way. I have two boys and I have two girls. And uh, the girls are pretty and awesome. The boys are aggravating they're all different though like like they are and my girls are in here this morning they're gonna be mad at me because that's what girls do they get mad and they stay mad forever um, the boys they, they, they get mad and stay mad for 10 minutes um, that's just kind of the way it works um, but for girls they're great because if you say, go do something, they either go do it or they don't go do it. But it's not like they get on their way to do it and then they forget to do it. You know, they they may just not do it, but they don't get distracted half the way there. It's not like they got to their room to clean it up and when they got there, they got distracted, you know, wrestling or or throwing something or or, or playing a game. Like they just didn't do it or they did do it. But boys are completely different, right? It's like, I need you to move like... 27 steps and do these three things and somewhere in like step 13 they've completely gotten off course there's a ball and a sock and they use that ball and that sock to turn into some game that just carried them away for an hour and a half and you go and you're like hey is your room oh my goodness how did it get worse I forgot how in the world did you forget like your room it's not possible but they do they just get so easily distracted Some of y'all haven't gotten distracted from obeying God's word. You've not been distracted from obeying God's plan for your life. You've not been distracted. Here's the reality. You've just been avoiding it. You saw the pile of laundry over there and you said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Y'all ever had that pile of laundry? You know the one I'm talking about? You stepped over for three days. It's not like you didn't know it needed to be done. You just didn't feel like doing it. For some of you, the answers that God's placed in your life, you continue to step over them. You continue to skirt around them. Oh, you've done a great job. You didn't ask anybody else. Now, this is really awesome. Some of you haven't talked to anybody else about it because you already know the answer and you know that if you talk to somebody else, then there's going to be built in accountability. The reason you haven't talked to anybody is because you know the answer you don't want to obey. That's some of you. Now, some of you legitimately haven't talked to anybody, and as a result, you're still not 100% sure what God wants for you. Oh, but there's some of you. No, no, it's just that pride. You know what God wants. Right, You know that. You claim to trust the Lord, but you're not about to talk to anybody else about it because the minute that you talk to somebody else about it, you just got nailed. And here it is. Somebody's going to look at you and say, hey, sneak in tonight, climb into under the covers and just do exactly what God would have you to do. Just obey even when it's awkward or uncomfortable. What are you waiting for? That's really the conclusion this morning. I know we run way up and then just kind of fall off at the end. But that's the, that's, that's the question. What are you waiting for? The story of Ruth is this beautiful picture of God's providence, of God's sustenance. It's, it's a picture of God providing salvation for the world with a plan that begins before the Davidic line but it's also a picture of a woman who acted and acted and acted and acted of a woman who obeyed immediately of a woman who didn't hesitate she went with Naomi of a woman who didn't hesitate to get to work with the 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 job that God put in front of her when she got there and she got busy feeding her family a woman who, when she sought out that godly counsel and was made aware of what it was that God desired of her, did not wait. Boom, she jumped on it. She obeyed immediately. What are you waiting for? I know, God, sometimes, sometimes answers our prayers unexpectedly. And in those moments we can be tempted to assume that because it wasn't what I expected because it wasn't what I wanted that we just got the wrong number but the reality is sometimes God answers unexpectedly not because we got the wrong number but because we just have the wrong understanding and the wrong faith and the wrong obedience We've chosen to obey our own passions, our own desires, rather than to obey God's clear commands. How is it that you need to obey this morning? How is it that you need to finally give up and trust Him today? Whatever it is, let me encourage you that as we stand and sing in just a minute, that you stop putting it off, that you stop waiting, you stop making excuses, that today becomes the day that you obey the Lord fully. If He knows as much as we say He does, if He's as powerful as we believe that He is, and if He loves you enough to send His own Son, to die for your sin. What do you have to fear? Nothing. Will you trust Him today? And will you obey? Stand with me as I pray for you. Father God, I love you and thank you for this day. Thank you for this word and I thank you not only for the example of Ruth, but Father God, we thank you for your providence, your provision. Father God, for your wisdom Lord God when Ruth was just looking for a way out of her situation Father you saw so much more not only salvation for Ruth in her circumstances but eternal salvation for the souls of men, women, boys and girls for all of eternity because it is through Ruth Lord God that you would establish your Messiah Jesus who we celebrate this Christmas Father give us the courage to trust you In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all come as we sing.